0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Hey, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chris and Chelsea.
0: Hello. Hey, everybody. And we're
1: in Colossians, Chelsea's favorite book.
0: <laughs> I don't Did I say that's that? That's the subtitle.
1: No, that's the subtitle <laughs> okay. in the Bible. It says Colossians. I do love
0: the book of Colossians. I don't know if it's my favorite book.
2: What do you like about what we read today?
0: <sighs> well, what I love about all of Colossians is how rich it is. There's just so much to, I mean, if you looked at my Bible and the book of Colossians is completely pink because that's the color of my highlighter, <laughs> but I just highlight everything. So if you
1: highlight the whole book, does that, <laughs> does that what? take away and
0: from it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> and then I circle some things. and, that um. I notes, and you know. <laughs> But there's just so much to, there's so much to glean from this. Um, I, I think we should talk about the philosophies part, um, because I think that's pretty applicable to today. There's a lot of things, um, that are kind of like whispered in our minds today through what we watch, what we read, what we hear, um, ideologies, political ideologies, all these things that, um, we're kind of bombarded with, um, but, Overall, it's empty compared to the good news of the gospel and what that means for us. That's
1: what's so tricky, because all those philosophies feel really engaging Mm -hmm. and like, really like, wow, I'm on a journey of self-discovery. And I guess in some ways you are like you're discovering about like how you relate to those philosophies, but they do end up empty. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, I mean, Paul's secret here. Mm
2: -hmm. that he reveals
0: uh, (laughs) often
2: (laughs) Paul loves to like have mysteries or secrets and then tell everybody what they are. So anyway, the secret of Colossians, he's like, the secret here is that Christ lives in you. And it's like, it almost feels a little anticlimactic because it's kind of like, really, that's the secret. But when you compare it to like the emptiness of these philosophies and stuff, that the fact that we have Christ in dwelling presence within us, within the body of Christ, that, I mean, that's such an amazing thing.
1: I have noticed a couple times throughout a couple different letters, he alludes to, like, the, the answer to these things is Christ, mm-hmm. which is not – it makes no sense. I had, I had a professor once that was like, well, yeah, the answer to all the Old Testament is Christ. Well, that doesn't – Christ is not an answer to anything. Does that make sense? Like, it's not like you ask a question, and it's like, well, Christ.
0: <laughs> it's like, what? What? Only if you're in Sunday school.
1: Yeah. That I mean, I know cuz that is the joke. Like all the yeah. Sunday school answer it's always Jesus. Do you but think it, would but it actually if,
2: always is Jesus. Do you think it would work if you got pulled over for speaking <laughs> just to say the answer is Christ?
1: Uh probably not because you're going against what Christ would uh, have <laughs> you to do. Okay.
0: Sin also Christ. <laughs> um I mean, when you think about the way that people chase after things like this. Like you think about like chasing after knowledge and mm-hmm. high-sounding nonsense as Paul puts it. I love that. <laughs> like these things that people are chasing after and still chasing after, like they want to know what's, what's deeper, what's next. Like how can even autonomy, I feel like autonomy is a huge thing right now. Like how can be more of yourself? Um, But that's again, again, it comes up empty. So when you put it in, when Paul puts it in this light of, this is the mystery, like kind of making it like kind of like a writing, I don't know what the right word is, like trope of just like, this is the, this is the mystery, like trying to make it sound just as enticing as these empty philosophies yeah. that, that they're chasing. And, but it is really simple. It's Christ. Um, and so it's kind of, it is kind of anticlimactic, but I see kind of what he's doing that like, Hey, it's just as exciting. It's just very simple.
2: <laughs> you know, one of the other verses that kind of jumped out at me is in chapter 20 or chapter one, verse 29, Paul kind of reveals a little bit of like his, how he went about his missionary efforts. And, uh, it says, that's why I work and struggle so hard. So he was. He worked hard. He there's a lot of human effort there. And right after that, without even taking a breath, he says, "Depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me." And I think it's that's one of the age old discussions in the church: is it is it grace? Is it works? Is it is it my effort? Is it God's effort? And the answer is yes. It's both. Um, and I just love how in such a short phrase here, that one of the greatest church planters, missionaries of all time, uh, said, "I work really hard, and it's God's power at work." I know that. That verse uh, has been something that I've leaned on quite a bit, just in saying, like, I need both. Mm,
0: that's good.
1: Uh, so f- so far, Paul's favorite answers are Jesus and yes. <laughs> both. <laughs> or both. <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, the verse before that actually kind of stuck out to me. I, I am kind of intrigued, by the way, that Paul takes responsibility for believers, like— I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but that's kind of how I read it, that he, that they want to present them, these believers to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. And he agonizes over them, the churches and the other believers who's never even met. Like he just takes a lot of like, just such a fatherly figure to these churches. But yeah, I don't know. Like, what does that mean that he wants to present them to Christ? Like, is there a responsibility there for, on his part that he feels?
1: Do you think he's speaking as like the evangelist who brought the gospel to them? Like, is, is it like, hey, like, I I am bringing this message to you, and I want you to, like, he wants to disciple them well, I mm-hmm. think. Like, he wants to see them. I think if you've done, like, if you've had people in your life that you've identified as people you're trying to pray for or show the love of Jesus to or disciple, I, I think it makes sense to feel that way. Like, yeah, I want you to end up in a place where you're a mature believer and you're able to believe well and
2: live well. I think it's also kind of reminiscent of like the church is, uh, I think Ephesians use some of this language that the church is like a trophy that is presented to God based Mm -hmm. on, on the work that Christ accomplished. And so like even there's probably, it's probably a bit of both where Paul's taking satisfaction in the work that he's done, but he's also kind of out of worship Mm -hmm. presenting this pure and spotless bride, the church of Colossae back to God as a trophy. Mm -hmm. Um, which is a pretty cool concept when you think about it.
0: Yeah, I like that. It's cool. Um, and then, like I said, there's just a lot of practical things in Colossians, which I think I think that's why I underline it so much, where it talks about like, being filled with tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility, all these different things of just, this is a practical way that a Christian lives his or her life, just to, yeah, it flows out of Christ and our relationship with Christ, and this is what it looks like.
1: Uh, we get another household code.
0: Oh, yeah. It sounded and very similar to Ephesians. <laughs> it is. It is. It's very similar. And that that is one of the things, like when
1: we read the Bible and we read holistically the whole thing, it is interesting when things pop up that are almost the same. Like, what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that Paul wrote this because it sounds very much like what he wrote in mm-hmm. Ephesians. But it also tells us that the theology that he's teaching all these churches is consistent and it's important and it's valuable. So we should also take this for ourselves today. Um, Paul didn't just say... Dads don't upset your kids. He didn't say it one time. He said it multiple times at multiple churches. So it's yeah. still important and still valuable to us.
2: And since we're reading it chronologically, it kind of makes sense that, like, as Paul's sitting in Rome right now, as he's in prison, he's he's writing some similar things to yeah. both of it, yeah, uh, different churches. So uh, chronologically, it even makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's good. All right, guys, we'll be back again tomorrow. We'll be digging into Philemon. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. We'll see you then. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Colossians 1, starting verse 24. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for His body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving His church by proclaiming His entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing His glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea, and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ Himself. In Him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are already complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, he, uh, he shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ Himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that they have visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body." for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the new realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him in this new life it doesn't matter if you are a jew or a gentile circumcised or uncircumcised barbaric uncivilized slave or free christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us since god chose you to be holy since god chose you to be the holy people he loves you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy kindness humility gentleness and patience Make allowance for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace, and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father.
0: Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about His mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. Tychicus will give you a full report about how how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that is happening here. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God and what comfort they have been. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He is always he always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings, and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it to, and you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains. May God's grace be with you.